You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Jacob was still a worldly believer. Yes, he was a believer, but he was still a worldly believer. He was still a deceiver. He was still living by his wit. And right up until the very end that he wrestled with that angel, he was an extremely self-reliant person. And thus, the school of hard knocks. And unfortunately, I think many of us are still in the school of hard knocks. Where are you in your journey as a Christian? Does it ever feel like you're stuck or that you might never move on to other chapters in your story? The good news that we can gain from Pastor Mike's message today is that all Christians, in one way or another, are facing their own struggles and battles to be the person that God has made them to be. Some people may appear to have it all together, but deep down, we all have our own issues to face in this life. Take comfort and keep fighting. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis, chapter 29, as he begins his message, The School of Hard Knocks. Genesis chapter 29, beginning in verse 1. So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. Now remember, this journey, the reason why Jacob had gone on this journey was he was a fugitive. He was escaping for his life. Remember, he had ripped off his brother Esau's birthright or the patriarchal blessing, deceiving his father Isaac, and his brother Esau swore a vow. As soon as my father Isaac dies, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob for what he had done. So that was the reason why Jacob is on this journey. Remember, his mother Rachel had encouraged him to escape his brother's wrath to go to his uncle Laban's home in Haran. And so off he goes. So I just wanted to mention that for the the sake of those of you who are joining us for the first time or if you haven't been around for the last couple of weeks. Verse 2. And he looked and saw a well in the field, and behold, there was three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there, and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to them, My brethren, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran, or Haran rather. Then he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. 
And so he said to them, is he well? And they said, he is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. Then he said, look, it is still high day. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. I'll give you the reasons why he said that in just a moment. But they said, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. Now, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. And so she ran and told her father. Then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him, embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. So he told Laban all of these things. And Laban said to him, surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now let me tell you something. You know, this is an interesting way that Leah is recommended to us here in this text of Scripture. Leah's eyes were delicate. And i got to tell you something, most Bible teachers don't agree on what the Bible is referring to here in this text of Scripture. Some hold the position that was the only feature of Leah's that was noteworthy. There wasn't much anything else about her that would draw a man's attention to her. Some of other Bible teachers hold to the fact that her eyes were beautiful. Others hold to the position that there was something going on with her eyes that caused a redness about it and sort of like some kind of a disease or something. That, and, and so most Bible teachers don't agree on exactly what the Bible is referring to when they describe Leah in this way. That is, her, Leah's eyes were delicate. But think of it this way. And also, some people use this as the means by which they describe her as the ugly duckling of the family. But I don't hold to that view at all, because I know there's no such thing as an ugly woman, right? Okay, did I just get kudos for, for that? But it is true, right? There's no such thing as an ugly woman. There's something that you can find out about any person, by the way, that's beautiful, right? So, but think about it. This is a verse of scripture that is a text in comparison. They're comparing Leah, the older sister, with Rachel, the younger sister. In comparison, and this is the way that I read it, Rachel had it all going on for herself. And thus Jacob was drawn to her rather than her older sister, Leah. Now that's my explanation. I could be wrong, but it is plausible. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that. So I don't know if it, some people suggest, oh, the ugly duck. And there's a reason why I say that, because later on, we're going to discover that Uncle Laban pulls the switcheroonie on Jacob, but we'll get to that in just a moment. Anyway, 
Leah's eyes were delicate, but notice Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. She was like the perfect woman. She was an absolute 10. Now, Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. In other words, that's, remember, he asked the question, what will your wages be? Okay, so I'll serve you seven years for the hand of your daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Young people, please take note of that. He served his uncle Laban for seven years, but notice it only seemed as if it was a few days with him because of his great love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. So obviously the seven years have now transpired between verses 20 and 21. For my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. Well, I don't have to comment on that. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob and he went into her. Now, it's at this point that many people, you know, refer to Leah. The switcheroony here, he brought the ugly duckling in to his tent. I can't even imagine how this whole thing played out, to be honest with you. It must have been really dark that night, right? I mean, he didn't even know who he was making love to, right, in that tent. Anyway, and Laban gave his maid Zilpha to his daughter Leah as a maid. And so it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Oh, man. Jacob had just met his match. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service, which you will serve with me still another seven years. Wow, 14 years in all. Then Jacob did so really didn't have any other recourse, and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel as wife as well. And Laban gave his maid Bilhab to his daughter Rachel as a maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban still another seven years. So once again, this morning's message, the title, The School of Hard Knocks. Now, first of all, let me begin, before we even break this down for you, let me begin and say that this morning's message is all about regeneration. It's all about that work, and you've heard the word regeneration. It's used a lot amongst Christians. What it really is all about is a process of God changing us from the inside out, ultimately conforming us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. It's a process over a lifetime in our Christian experience. It just doesn't happen overnight, right? You see, God, who loves us so much, doesn't want to allow us to continue the way that we once were before our conversion experience. So it's a progressive work. God loves you that much, and he'll do whatever is necessary to bring about that change in our lives, because that change is for our own benefit and for our own good, because that's where we're going to receive the blessings of God. And so that, more than anything else, is what this morning's message is all about. Okay, so with that said, Jacob, unfortunately, was one of those guys 
like many of us, I don't know about you, but I can certainly relate to Jacob, taking these difficult courses, if I may, of higher learning and discipline in God's university. And I also would like to add that it was God himself who was Jacob's professor. And so think about it in that way. All of us, if you think about it, are in the university of higher learning, if you will. Think about it. I mean, that would be an accurate description of what Christianity is all about. And God is our teacher. God is our professor. You see, the problem with Jacob, which is also the problem with many of us, is that we're self-willed. We're reliant. We're schemers. We're tricksters. And certainly those words would accurately describe who Jacob was. Remember, Jacob was the supplanter. He was the heel catcher. Later on, you know, it's so cool. Later on, Jacob isn't even referred to Jacob. He's gone through this transformation. Later on, we're going to see him wrestling with an angel. And I believe that that angel was actually none other than Jesus himself. It was a Theophanes. And in that moment, his name is changed from Jacob, the surplanter, the heel catcher, the trickster, the guy who was self-reliant, to Israel. And does anyone know what the word Israel actually means? It means governed by God, someone who is governed by God. And isn't that exactly what God wants to do in each and every one of our lives? He wants to transform us into a person who is absolutely and completely governed by him. And so for Jacob, it took some 20 years to graduate from God's university, if you will, before he finally learned the lessons that God was determined to teach him. Now let's back up a little bit. Jacob as a freshman, if I can continue to use this analogy, the time of his enrollment in God's university, things were not all that bad. At least it seemed that way. I mean, think about it. In one of our recent studies, as he was fleeing from his dad's home under the threat of his brother Esau's vow to kill him, remember, God met him at Bethel. And it was there, the dream, the ladder from heaven, the angels ascending and descending, right? Later on, we discovered that that ladder actually was a type of Jesus Christ. And it's that ladder through which we ascend unto God. Jesus himself said, no one comes unto the Father except through me. So in that sense, Jesus is the ladder by which we make the connection with God, our Father. So God met with Jacob at Bethel, the ladder, remember? If you weren't here for that study again, you could just go to our website and click on the online audio prompt, and it'll take you to oneplace.com. That message is archived, as well as all of the other messages in our studies here in the book of Genesis. And then it was at that location in Bethel where he received that revelation that God promised to watch over him. And now here in our text, beginning in chapter 29 in verse 1, he was successful in finding his mother's family. And we are about to discover, well, we've just had discovered, that he found himself a wife. Not only one wife, but two wives. And then later on in our series, in some of our future studies, we will also discover that God blessed him with 12 sons. 
and thus the 12 tribes of Israel. And that later on, we'll also discover that God blessed Jacob, and he prospered him materially. So basically, I mean, you know, to just summarize Jacob's life, I think all of us might come to the same conclusion. He lived a basically happy and prosperous life. His years were prosperous years. But here's the problem. Jacob was still a worldly believer. Yes, he was a believer, but he was still a worldly believer. He was still a deceiver. He was still living by his wit. And right up until the very end that he wrestled with that angel, he was an extremely self-reliant person. And thus, the school of hard knocks. And unfortunately, I think many of us are still in the school of hard knocks. You know, there may be someone here this morning that's been walking with the Lord for 20 years, as long as was Jacob's experience. Notice here in our text, and this, and this describes, when I say the hard knocks, this is what I'm referring to. These were the hard knocks that Jacob had to endure. Notice here in our text, he was tricked regarding his marriage, wasn't he? The old switcheroonie, right? The uh, Leah for Rachel. He was cheated in his wages. Later on, he was forced to slip off from his home in the night like a fugitive, and we're going to discover that in Genesis chapter 31, under the threat of his uncle Laban killing him for what he believed was Jacob ripping him off. And we're going to, we'll talk about that later on in one of our future studies as we get into Genesis chapter 31 in the next couple of, of weeks. But think about that. He's still a fugitive. 20 years before, he's a fugitive fleeing from his father Isaac's house under the threat of his brother Esau's vow and it's now 20 years later, he's still a fugitive. He's still fleeing in the night to escape from his uncle Laban under the threat of his uncle killing him. And so think about it. Nothing's changed all that much. His life was no better than it was 20 years ago. And that, you see, was Jacob's pattern. And unfortunately, as I've already suggested, this is the same sad commentary on many Christians' lives today. There's no progress. There's no change. They're still stuck, if you will, in neutral. They're still scheming. They're still self-reliant, right? And nothing has ever changed. And thus, you can be sure, because God loves you that much, that he's, he's going to enroll you in the school of hard Knox. Now, I'm going to share a couple of antidotes for you to make sure that you never enroll in that university in just a little moment. But let's go back to our story for a moment. You know, for the most part, the whole text that we've just read this morning is pretty dark and gloomy, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? There's really nothing really bright about it. But uh, there's one thing that does stand out and does brighten this chapter for us in at least one way, and that was Jacob's love for Rachel. In fact, it's the first real love story in the Bible. Why is that? Because of the romantic details that are recorded for us here in this text. And yes, we've already been introduced to several other couples in this series, like, for example, Adam and Eve. Remember, after God had created man, created everything that was in the physical universe, he said there was still something missing in man. 
And he says it was not good for man to be alone. And so he created Adam a helpmate. And remember, God gave Adam the ability to name everything that was in the uh, physical universe, all of the animals and such. And, and then he left it also to Adam uh, to name Eve. What was he going to call her? He was so overwhelmed by Eve's beauty, he said, whoa, man. Didn't he, didn't he say that? And that's where we get the word woman for. Isn't that right? Okay, so anyway, that was the first couple that we were introduced to in our series in the book of Genesis. And then just recently, we were introduced to Isaac and Rebecca, right, in one of our recent studies. In fact, uh, we were talking about that yesterday. And the only details that we have there with Adam and Eve, it was only woe man, woe man, right? He was, he was obviously struck by her beauty, the perfect woman. Could you imagine that? I'm sure she really was a 10. She's the original it girl, man, right? But then we have Isaac and Rebecca in their relationship. And the only thing that would sort of give us some insight into the romance of that relationship was when King Abimelech, remember, king of the Philistines, was noticing them cuddling together on one occasion. It was recorded for us in chapter 26 in verse 8. Remember, Isaac had lied about Rebekah's identity because he was concerned about the men there in that place killing him to get to his wife, Rebekah. But Abimelech noticed the way that they were reacting to one another, and they were saying, wait, these guys aren't brothers and sisters. You know, he's probably hugging her and caressing her. I don't know what was actually going on, but it was obviously they weren't brother and sister. It would do something more to their relationship. But that's basically all that we, we have as it relates to, you know, couples and, and things that would give us some kind of a clue of romance. But here, think about this. Think about the passion on Jacob's part. Think about him laboring, you know, to make it work. Jacob served his uncle Laban for 14 years. You see, his was a continuing love. Okay, so here's the question that I want to bring up. Is there such a thing as love at first sight? Okay, now I got your attention. Is there such a thing as love at first sight? Well, listen, the scriptures seem to recognize that truth. Notice here, Jacob arrives in Haran, there in verse 1. He encounters his uncle's servants tending to their flocks, who, by the way, were waiting for Rachel's arrival. And then in verse 7, it seems as if Jacob is trying to get rid of them to be alone with Rachel, treating them like the little brother of your girlfriend. Hey, kid, here's a dollar. Go buy yourself an ice cream cone or something, you know? In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my You've been listening to Pastor Mike Fenizio here on In My Father's House. He is working his way through the book of Genesis. If you were blessed by today's message and want to pass along the blessing, you can find a link to give to the ministry on our website, harvestnyc.org. We have so much available to you there, 
including many audio messages and links to streamed messages. We stream every Sunday and Thursday service. Once again, that's harvestnyc.org. Another way to pass along the blessing is to share the messages with someone else. Maybe God put someone on your heart today as you listened. You can send them the links as well. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. We're easy to find, with access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. But if you're from another part of the country or world, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. There is nothing more beautiful than the global body of Christ. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our podcast for daily doses of the word. Just go to Spotify and search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. And then just click follow. Well, we have filled our time for today. Come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than In My Father's House with you.